0: Welcome back to drop the subject on the new channel Q James Q Simmons guest co-hosting with your Ali Johnson, of course. And, um, you know, we've had a, obviously some really intense conversations about everything that's go- been going on this week with the murder of George Floyd and the officers being charged and how those have led to protests, of course, and, and a larger discussion, a really important discussion, sometimes a really uncomfortable discussion about race and, one of the themes that sort of keeps coming up is that we need to actually talk about how race is taught and how black history is taught and even how queer history and, and then black queer history is taught in our schools. So we are super excited to have Dr. John Paul with us, who is a speaker, writer, social justice educator, um, a professor, who's been all over the place, NBC News, BuzzFeed, Fox, given a TEDx talk, of course. And so we are really fortunate to have Dr. John Paul with us here today.
1: Hi, great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. You know, I, I think we just sort of get right to it, Dr. John Paul. How so much has come up about, oh, I didn't know what happened about this in school, right? I never heard about this in school. Um, How do we, I mean, solve the educational system, right? No, how do we start to change <laughs> those conversations, particularly with youth?
1: Right. So I think what, you know, I I think it's a trickle down effect, right? So we're not getting, you know, I I teach educators, a lot of the students that I teach that are going into the system will tell me, you know, my educator, you know, the person that was teaching me in college had a very just let's call it transparent let's call it what it is very white syllabus. The you know, I, I remember a student of mine telling me once when we were in class, saying that an educator had referred to her in her college class as I come down, you know, off the mountain. Ultimately, you know, I, I live near Big Bear. I come down off the mountain to teach you students. Right. So this idea mm. that Racial bias is something that we never uh, we never look at or we never discuss in the actual places that teachers are learning. And so those racial biases, those pieces that are not happening in the classroom, move into the classroom and then it becomes systematic, right? So you have a student who is dealing with a racial issue with an educator, the educator not having the training that they need in order to deal with said racist issue or understanding the school district or the area w- in which they teach. All of it is a system. And so that's the thing in, in all of my work that I always center is that oppression is a cycle. And what it does is it starts at the top and it works its way back around. And so what happens is, is you get educator who teaches child who then says, well, my teacher was terrible. I'm going to go into the education system to fix it. But yet the same system that's teaching the teacher is the same system that's teaching the student who's trying mm-hmm. to become the teacher to fix said problem that they had. So Mm. where do we stop that? And it's teachers going, or I mean, there's two cases here, and I know I'm saying a lot in a very little short time. This Um, is great. what's, (laughs) What's happening is, is that you'll have a teacher like myself come into the classroom, want to have these conversations with their students, and then you have the school district, or you have the principal, or you have the vice principal, or you have a chancellor, or you have whoever's in the school district come and say, hey, that's not what we're here for. We shouldn't be having these conversations with students. And then the teacher gets chastised, for wanting to have these conversations too, right? So now you're dealing with the system not teaching the educator, the teacher who does wanna have these conversations once they learn about it themselves coming into the classroom going, I wanna teach my students about this, but I know that I could potentially lose my job for having these difficult conversations if a white parent or a non-black parent is uncomfortable with, my t- with the educator having these conversations. So, you know, I, I hate saying this because I ultimately think as an educator saying this sometimes causes more problems than it does fix it. But the system is broken. And I think when we can actually acknowledge the ways that the systems are broken, I think it's imperative for us to start thinking about what that action looks like.
2: Okay, well, my head has exploded. Um, that was <laughs> <laughs> There's there like I mean, so much to get down. into there.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: we'll, we'll start with one of the last points you made, which is you being asked to come in and speak to students or you wanting to come in to speak to students because it's like, I think, especially with parents, they they like don't want to have conversations with their kids about this stuff, and then they expect mm-hmm. the school to do it. But then, when the school's saying things that they wouldn't want to tell their kids, then they're like, the school shouldn't be doing. You know, so you're <laughs> constantly trying to control the narrative that's being told in schools, that's being taught mm-hmm. in schools, and so I, I mean, I I don't know, like even what question to ask you about that because. I don't know how to fix it, and I don't know if, and like, where do we start in order to, I guess we start from the beginning, which is how educators are being taught about Black history, queer Black history, et cetera.
1: Right. But it's even deeper than that, right? So, I mean, I, I would I would even challenge that, you know, so I, I, I've seen a, t- a tweet go around a couple of times, and someone will ask, when was the first time you had a Black male educator, right? Right it's low, right? I've only had one black male educator in my entire existence of education as a whole. And I've been in school Mm -hmm. for almost 12 years, right? I have a doctor's degree. I only had one black woman educator in my entire 12 years of of education. So when we think about that too, right? There's other structural things that are in place, specifically this idea that black and brown or even Afro, you know, Afro-Cubana or however you, whoever's in the diaspora, right? Those individuals are not being given the access or the tools to be in the classroom to even tell Black students that they are valuable or that their experiences or that their lived experiences, whether they be historically or they be present, are important or valuable. Then you have a white educator in the classroom who doesn't have this knowledge at all. So where are our children getting this education from? And a lot of times they're not.
0: Wow. (laughs) And and even just, I go go to the point of like representation as well, right, Dr. Paul, that you're not even that they're those those individuals of of, of people just say people of color in general but like black individuals for this specific instance are are not being educators Mm -hmm. then they're not only are they not even there to tell the children about black history but they're not even just being seen right that that whole thing of like you you need a black president so that little black kids can think that they can grow up to be president right Right. and instead of just being athletes and so if you don't even have them as educators then how do you even encourage little black children to want to go on to be educators, right? They don't mm-hmm. even think I can be an educator. This is a, an absolutely fascinating um, discussion. Um, doctor Dr., We're going to be back on Drop the Subject with more from Dr. John Paul.
2: Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q.
0: Welcome back to Drop the Subject. James Q. Simmons, guest co-hosting with your Ali Johnson. And it's Dr. John Paul, who is here with us um, again, who is helping our heads explode for a very, very good reason, though, because we are having those conversations that are sometimes uncomfortable, but always very real that we need to have. Dr. John Paul, from uh, who you've seen in Out Magazine, Them, Um, The Root, The Daily Dot, um, Essence, MTV News, and more. Dr. John Paul is an educator trying to educate the educators to do (laughs) the right thing. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that is a concept right then and there, um, by the way, that a lot of people don't think about. How educators educate is learned. Right. Just like racism is learned. learned. Yep. And so I think there's an interesting sort of conversation there about you have individuals, by time they probably reach you, Dr. John Paul, who want to be educators, have already been through what is a broken system. Mm-hmm. And so they're already coming in with sort of racial biases. And what do you see, though, as sort of the reception from white individuals or all individuals, et cetera, who come to you to learn how to educate mm-hmm. and you when you start to open their eyes to so what's going on? Like, what is yeah. what is that reception like?
1: So, I think it's it's very interesting. I, I kind of want to go back to the point that I made in the last segment about this idea of not having black educators in the classroom. You know, even in the current class that I'm teaching this summer at a, at a local institution, I don't have any black students in my class at all. Last year, I didn't. I only had two. And so I think about that, right? So it, this conversation of what are we learning about race, where i would say a lot of folks are not that's the first thing i'm not learning about it but i've been seeing this kind of trend of you know well i don't want to have this conversation about race because it makes me feel uncomfortable well we have to understand that the conversations around race are uncomfortable if you are are one who are benefiting from said racial things. So I want to say it this way, right? Thinking about it in, in the context of, you know, students specifically or educators saying, oh, I don't want to have conversations about race. I'm uncomfortable with having conversations about race. We have not normalized that in our systems, right? Um, we've not no, we've not we've made it a thing that when gender comes up in the classroom, we need to discuss that gender performance. Why is gender different than, you know, the way that people perform in terms of their gender? All of these pieces are things that are connected. And so I think for me, when we get down to the bottom of it, right, it's this idea that everyone is so uncomfortable and I put quotations around uncomfortable around it because no one necessarily has to be affected by it. Whereas for me in my lived experience as a black queer person, I can't step out of the the house and go, I'm uncomfortable talking about race and gender. If I don't talk about it or if I don't advocate for myself, I won't exist. So I think about that a lot when someone says, well, it makes me uncomfortable. I think that's a luxury. And I think that's what's what's, what's happening in education as a whole. Individuals have the luxury to ignore race specifically and say, well, I'm here just to teach. But I think part of the larger conversation needs to become learning and having conversations and, and understanding how systems of oppression works and who has access to what knowledge and who, who don't, who doesn't, that's a part of those tough conversations. That's, that's what, that's what educators need to do. Yeah. I'm just going to say this. I think yeah. when we to f- redefine what it means to be an educator, I think those conversations are easier to have.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think mm-hmm. some of the best moments that we learn are when we are uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. We, and that's how change is made is when you're uncomfortable, and I think through uncomfortability that we have a better understanding, and we actually really learn in, in all of education. And I wanted to ask you, uh, Dr. John Paul, about the concept of a bunch of, of, of black educators teaching to white classrooms versus mm. white educators teaching other white kids about race. Because mm. you know another conversation that we've had recently is, you know, I, I don't want to be the white person that's like, "Hi, black person, teach me." teach me what it's like. Um, Mm -hmm. And while it's so important for like, say you're you're in a classroom and you're teaching a bunch of white kids about race, do you view it as equally important for white educators to be teaching white kids about racism more thoroughly than just, hey, here's what Martin Luther King did. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, so I think that's always funny because <laughs> I go, I've been thinking about this a lot myself this week, and this oh, I could I could talk on this for days, but I think you know this idea that we never talk about Martin, we never talk about Malcolm X, we never talk about um, we never talk about Bayard Rustin, we never talk, we never talk about the individuals who pushed back on the system as a whole, and so I always think that that MLK conversation is a default. He made me feel comfortable, so I'm gonna go ahead and default to that. This idea that, you know, and I've always said this too, right? This idea of white people versus whiteness being two different things. This idea that we know how whiteness benefits us. We know how whiteness has, moved, ha- has, has shaped the systems. We know how white supremacy works with whiteness to create different things. So when you ask me the question, about what does it look like for a white person to come to a black person and say, hey, educate me. I always say it like this. The biggest thing for me has been, if you've done your work and you come to me with a question, let's have that conversation. I read this book, I saw this concept, someone was talking about this on social media. Can you help me expl- Can you help me understand it better? Intersectionality is one of those conversations I've had a lot of talk with people about because people think intersectionality is just about identity. No, it's not. It's about the oppressions that live between identities. So if you want to have that conversation with me about intersectionality and how it looks on a global, global scale, come on in here, bring your book, bring your, your notepad, let's take some Notes, you know, so that way you can become a better individual. What I think happens is because folks are so scared about what their privilege is going to do to them in the room, they go, Oh, I want to default to a black person to talk about race because, you know, I won't get, I don't want to get yelled at. Well, (laughs) part of your, again, like you said, learning is, you know, making mistakes. I know for me as a Black queer, you know, non-binary individual, I've said a lot of transphobic things. And I've had friends like my friend Angelica Ross. I've had my friend, you know, Ashley Marie check me on things. These are all individuals who have said you have a privilege as a male. You need to check that. And so what I'm ultimately saying is, is that, like you said, going back to that being uncomfortable piece, we have to get to this place where if, if we're going to really like this is this is the moment in history where I think tides are changing and people are recognizing that their comfort their comfortability, the piece of, oh, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. It's not going to save you. You know, they, they still killed Martin Luther King. That's the thing I always tell people. Dr. M- Martin Luther King was still murdered. <laughs> right So right. even if you do it that way, even if you think doing it that way is the right way, you could potentially still die. Right. So I think right. that's the thing we really need to think about.
0: Oh my gosh, Dr. John Paul, we could have this conversation all day long. You, you brought up a lot. I also feel like in terms of apologizing and learning and being uncomfortable, I think I mispronounced you earlier on. Um, but that is something that I am learning. And, um, so for that, I apologize and, um, please before, uh, before we close, cause I mean, we, we could, let's just have you all day on Friday. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> before, before we close, let, uh, let everybody listening know where they can find out more about you and what you're up to.
1: Well, you can find me online on the interwebs. Um, I am known for being quote unquote, Twitter famous. My handle on Twitter is <laughs> Dr. John Paul and it's spelled Dr. D O C T O R J O N P A U L. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Very good. Dr. John Paul, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate this. Yes, thank you. Uh, Lots, lots more coming, we promise, on Drop the Subject. (laughs)